On this blessed Sunday, the church has arranged for us to read from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. And in this passage, we read of the events that happened immediately after the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we read how from the moment he was born, he was persecuted and Herod sought to destroy the child. And we read that the Holy Family had to flee to Egypt until Herod's time had ended on the throne. And if you noticed, at the end of the passage, St. Matthew quotes one of the prophets and he says, he will be, he will come out of Nazareth. Now the word Nazareth in Hebrew means branch. And if you recall, maybe in one of the prophecies in the Old Testament, it says that he will come out of the root of Jesse. And if you recall in the Gospel of St. John, our Lord says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. He is the vine. He is the branch. And any who are Christians are branches in him. They are also from Nazareth, spiritually. Which is why Christians many times over the years have been called, in Arabic at least, Nasara, or Nazarenes. Or even in the book of Acts, it's mentioned the sect of the Nazarenes. And our Lord said this, he said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So we are branches in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he is the branch. Now this branch is hated by the world. And it's persecuted by the evil one. Which means that we too also should expect persecutions and difficulty in this life. And there are some life lessons for us to come away with when thinking of the Holy Family's flight to Egypt. The first thing that we see is what St. John Chrysostom said when he commented on this passage from the Gospel. He said, the wicked cannot rejoice at the coming of the good. The wicked cannot rejoice at the coming of the good. What he's saying here is that whenever we set the mind, whenever we set our will to do good, the devil is shaken and he rages and he begins his attacks because his attacks are directed at the branch and at any branches that are rooted in that branch. He also says, St. John Chrysostom, so should you in the beginning of your spiritual career seem to have tribulation. You need not to be discouraged, but bear all things nobly having this example. Which example? The example that we just read in the Gospel. That how our Lord had to flee to go to Egypt. How St. Mary herself had to flee and go to Egypt. How the righteous Joseph had to flee and go to Egypt. What did they do? Nothing. They were obedient to the will of God. I guess that was their only crime in the eyes of the world. That you obey God, and so you will be persecuted. And so you will find also in your life that when you come to obey God, you will be persecuted. You will be attacked. And St. John Chrysostom says, this is expected. It's normal. Take courage. Don't be discouraged. Bear all things nobly, because we have an example. The true branch, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the wicked one will attack anything that is spiritual. 
And when we set our minds to do something good, when we set our minds to do something spiritual, we find that all of a sudden, all the reasons in the world to not continue on that path of good start coming out of the woodwork. We experience a little bit of difficulty, and we say, well, maybe this is not God's will. Maybe I should back off a little. Maybe I shouldn't pursue this path of righteousness. And that's exactly what the devil wants. Through the pressure that he brings on, we falter and we say, well, here's a reason. Here's a reason why I shouldn't serve. Here's a reason why I shouldn't confess that I am Christian. Here's a reason why I shouldn't go to church. Here's a reason why I shouldn't be obedient to God's will. All that will live godly in Jesus Christ must suffer persecution. In the wisdom of Sirach, chapter 2, verse 1, we read, My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. If you are serving a spiritual purpose, purpose and find yourself facing difficulty, facing challenges and dangers, don't worry or question why this is happening. Don't worry. Remember that when you are doing good work, you will still face difficulty. And this is how spiritual matters often unfold. So we have to use this gospel passage as an example to be strong and know that this is common in any spiritual pursuit. My child, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. And immediately after the birth of our Lord, we find that Herod and all of Jerusalem is shaken. And what does this tell us? That the power of wickedness is so weak that it can be easily overcome by even a small amount of goodness. Herod and all of Jerusalem was troubled by the birth of a helpless child. Think about that for a second. A child is born, yes, he's not just any child, but he still needs to flee from the face of Herod. So he is helpless in that he did condescend and take on our weakness. So this birth of a helpless child caused Herod and all of Jerusalem to be shaken. So yes, a little bit of goodness does shake up the evil one. But we also find that this takes on a different appearance. We find that when some people hear the gospel and discover that it has power in it, they are troubled. Sometimes, when the word of God convicts me, I'm troubled. Why? Because if Christianity is true, I'm going to lose. Maybe my business will suffer. Maybe my illegitimate practices in my business need to stop now. And so my cash flow is going to get reduced. Or maybe I'm going to become less likable, less popular. Maybe my image is going to suffer people may find that the gospel message troubling. Many are troubled also because the gospel interferes with their sin. And Christianity will interfere with my sin. Someone will say, if I become a Christian, I cannot live as I have been used to living. So I'm not going to believe in the gospel. And the great argument against the faith is an ungodly life. Someone who wants to continue an ungodly life will be stubborn 
and will deny the gospel and will deny the faith. In Hosea chapter 14, verse 10, in the Septuagint translation we read, Who is wise and will understand these things, or prudent and will know them? For the ways of the Lord are straight, and the righteous shall walk in them, but the ungodly shall become weak in them. But the ungodly shall become weak in them. So if you get to the bottom of the matter, some sinful pleasure is the reason for why people or some people reject the faith. There is a very practical reason for them not repenting. That person cannot give up their darling sin, the sin that they love so much. And that person does not want to give it up, and so what ends up happening is that God's commandments, God's word, our Lord and Savior, trouble him or trouble that person when the gospel message or our Lord and Savior draws closer to him. But what we need to realize is that true faith, walking with the Lord, actually gives us the true meaning of enjoyment and pleasure in our life. It takes away the cheap pleasure that the devil wants us to focus on and gives us precious joy. The devil wants us to trade away whatever is precious and hold on to whatever is cheap. Imagine walking into a store, department store, and you find the merchandise in front of you, and they've taken away all the expensive merchandise, set it aside, and they've put out all the cheap merchandise, the stuff that is not of great quality, but you have to pay a steep, steep price for it. That is what the devil does. True faith was never designed to make our pleasures or our enjoyment less but it's meant to transform the pursuit of pleasure to a mysterious, healthy, holy enjoyment of life. An enjoyment of life in the Lord, in Jesus Christ, our Savior. But some still think that walking with Christ is meant to take away any sort of enjoyment in life. And these are the people that Hosea is mentioning here at the end of this verse. The ungodly shall become weak in the commandments of our Lord and our Savior. St. John Chrysostom continues on in his commentary and says, In consideration of what we may suffer wrongfully, we either have, we either have sins done away or receive more glorious crowns. So someone may say, well, what is the point of all this needless suffering? Why does St. Mary need to suffer? Why does St. Joseph need to suffer? Why does our Lord have to accept the suffering from the minute he is born? Well, St. John Chrysostom is saying the reason why we suffer, there are actually two of them. We either suffer to satisfy a justice while we are still alive for sins that we have committed. And I think if you ask yourself and you say, would I rather suffer justice in this life or in the afterlife? You'll say, I'll gladly take it in this life. Or we suffer for the sake of heavenly crowns being multiplied. The idea is this. That suffering is infinitely better than sinning. The Lord may permit troubles to keep coming to us or suffering in order to keep us from sinning. 
Sometimes God wants to send His children into Egypt, spiritually speaking, of course, to be tested so that they come out stronger. They come out more spiritual. They come out victorious. They come out blessed. They come out more holy. And don't think this is strange. Because for all God's gold, all of God's gold must pass through the fire. All of God's gold must pass through the fire. So you and I, we are God's gold. And God will do what is necessary to purify His gold. And this is a sign that we are being sanctified to Him. That we are being set apart for His purpose. Suffering is infinitely better than sinning. Now meanwhile, while all this is going on in our lives, while we may be suffering, while we may be coming under temptations, the devil continues to wage a war of deception. In order to do what? In order to make sure that we are branches that do not bear fruit. So that we fall away from our Lord and Savior. In order to prevent spiritual growth. So what are some of the devil's tactics? Well, the devil will say, neglect a personal relationship with God. Focus on all the external appearances of religion. You show up on church on Sunday, very good. You go to all the outings, you go to all the activities. You do all the external things that Christians do. But when you go home, you do do the thing that is so important, which is spending time one-on-one with God. The devil will want you to neglect personal prayer. He will want you to neglect time spent in Scripture, personally studying the Word of God. He's going to want you to be more of a Martha and less of a Mary. Remember, Martha was busy preparing and doing good work. But our Lord said, Mary chose the better portion. She sat at the feet of our Lord and Savior. So the the devil wants you to neglect personal prayer. And then the devil comes in using good things to achieve something bad. He tries to create something bad out of something good. And he did this with our Lord himself. He He tempted him while he was in the wilderness. And what did he use? He used the words of Scripture. Scripture is holy. But if you twist it just enough, you can make what is holy unrighteous. And that's what the devil tries to do. He tries to take anything good and twist it just enough so that it looks kind of like the truth, kind of like it's good, but the end of it is disastrous. Counterfeit teachers, counterfeit doctrine, heresies, they sound good almost. They're almost true. And that is where the devil is, in the almost. You're almost holy, but you're missing the mark. You're almost true, but you're missing the mark. But the deception is that we continue to think that we are actually practicing righteousness and virtue. The devil wants us to believe that God is not fair, that God is holding out on us. He wants us to disregard all the blessings that we have in our life and focus on the one thing that you may not have. And he did this with Eve. Eve was in the garden... He made her focus on the one tree that God said, do not eat from this tree. 
But what about all the other trees? What about all the other blessings that Eve was enjoying? Even if you are in the middle of church, the devil is so smart that he will come to you and he'll make you or he will deceive you to neglect, to pay attention to the blessing that is around you and focus on one thing to distract you. To focus on the one thing that you may not have and you say, well, look at God. He's unfair. He's holding out on me. He doesn't want what's good for me. The devil wants us to believe that God's commandments are not true and that the consequences of his of breaking his commandments are also not true. And he did this also with Eve. He asked that commandment in the form of a question. Did God truly say that you cannot eat from the tree? I'm just asking a question. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. Surely you shall not die. And that's what the devil is doing. He turns the commandment into a question, into a gray area, into something that someone will say, well, maybe, you know, I can let go of this commandment. And maybe if I let go of it, the consequences are not so bad. But like, but like scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. God's commandments are real and his consequences and his justice are very real. And then what we find today, and this is something that the devil does very well too, is that he says, truth is very subjective. Determine your own truth. Become the master of your life and follow your own wisdom. You're well educated. You have high degrees. Follow your degrees. Follow your education. Follow your wealth. Pick your job title and your degree over following God's wisdom and following God's word. Basically, he's saying, make yourself into an idol. Take the place of God in your life. And we read in Proverbs 14.12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And then oftentimes, the devil, and this is sometimes something that people who are younger will fall into. How can something that feels good be evil? Even children do this. They want to eat all the sweets that they can get their hands on. But eating too much chocolate or eating too much candy is actually not good for your health. And this develops as a person gets older. The devil will say, how about you try the substance? How about you fall into a certain addiction, whether it's something through the eyes or a substance or whatever it may be? He says it feels good. If something this good, it can't be evil. But if you were to ask somebody a few months down the line about that addiction that they fell into, they'll tell you there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about me struggling to maintain a normal life, struggling to maintain normal relationships, struggling to maintain a job, struggling just to be able to fall asleep at night because I'm addicted. Had they known that that would be the end of it, they never would have tried out anything the devil would have offered them. And so how do we respond to these things? We, the sect of the Nazarenes, we the branches...
St. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. And then Romans 8.37, he says, yet in all these things, notice how St. Paul is saying in these things, what are these things? These are the things that we're talking about. These are the tricks, the deception, the persecution, the troubles, the suffering. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Remember, suffering is infinitely better than sinning. And remember that what honor can you expect to share with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, if you will not share His shame? May God strengthen us by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All glory and honor be to the Holy Trinity. Amen.